And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John. The book of John and the book of Galatians. We're going to be in both of those tonight. But what a wonderful crowd tonight. It's good to see everybody out in the house of God. Amen. And I want to get right into this for the sake of time. Thank you, Jesus. I was reading this week, and uh, a scripture just leaped out at me in Psalms chapter 4, where he said, in my distress, he enlarged me. I'm, I'm just grateful um, that in our distress that it's not in vain, but God enlarges us. Amen. He increases us. He brings increase spiritually. If we begin to abide in him and let the fruit come from the distressing and the affliction and the pruning and the purging. Amen. I want to grow and I want to grow through everything. I don't want to grumble. I want to grow. Amen. And so tonight we're going to read just uh, two uh, portions of scripture. We're going to pray and get right into the word, uh, right into the message tonight, the teaching in John chapter 15, verse one. The Bible says this, it says, and Jesus is speaking here. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Sorry. Now are you, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same, brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now over in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 says this, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Would you pray with me tonight over the Word of God? Father, we thank you for this time to come and to break open your Word and to preach, teach, minister. And Lord, I know that ultimately every one of us, Lord, if we really truly have been born again and we're Holy Ghost filled, Lord, There's a desire for more of you. There's a desire to grow. There's a desire to change. And Lord, uh, become more like our Savior, more like our Redeemer, more like God, more like you, Lord. There's 
nothing good about us. The only thing that's good about us is what is goodness of you in us, Lord. You are, you are the good father, the good shepherd, Lord. You are the epitome of the ultimate character, Lord. And I pray that when your Holy Spirit comes upon us, that it will flow through us, Lord. And tonight that we will lay hold upon what you're trying to say to us tonight. And God, just change us because you're coming back for a glorious church. A glorious church and a glorious church is a church full of the Spirit of God and the presence of God and the character of God and the nature of God. And Lord, I pray that we are and we, we, we exemplify that church, your church. And Lord, tonight, let us hear your word and let us apply it. And God, will give you all the glory and honor because we want to be like you. We thank you tonight and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I'm teaching tonight on a uh, a thought, and it's called the secret of being uh, the secret of a fruit bearing life. The secret of a fruit bearing life. How many wants to bear fruit? Amen. Praise God. Well, half the battle's already been won. When you want to, I can tell you, you'll desire God, and then He will minister to you, and He will accomplish that. He is the one that wills and does of his works and wills for his perfect uh, and perfect uh, will and perfect pleasure in you. And he does it for his pleasure, amen. It is God that's at work behind it. And uh, I'm going to, I totally botched that scripture up, but I, I know what it is, amen. But I'm thankful tonight, hallelujah. Moving on, glory to God. But John Corson is a commentary that I have and many of you have. And he told of a story one time of a rabbi that was on his deathbed and his students asked him, they said, Rabbi, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? And he said, life is like a river. And then he went into a coma for several months. And when he came out of the coma, they said, Rabbi, we've been considering your last words. They gathered around his bed again as he came to, and they said, you said life is like a river. So what did you mean? And the rabbi said, maybe life is not like a river. And then he died. Why did I say that to you? Some of you are puzzled. The point of the story is this. People look to men. They look to rabbis and gurus, and they look to philosophers and great thinkers in the world, celebrities for some insight and some thought of the meaning of life. Even pastors, they look to pastors, and it's all right to look to men of God that preach the Word of God to you and teach the Word of God to you, but remember this, we're just men. We're just people, we're flawed, but we're, we're, we're not God. You can't make a man a God or a woman a God. You, you, you can't make them an, a God. In other words, idolize them in such a capacity. We have to understand that they're flawed and they will fail you, but God will never fail you. The Lord will never fail you. But I shared this with you because uh, the secret to life, the secret to a fruit-bearing life is only found in Him who has become life for us. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, that he may give it to you. What is the secret of a life 
that is bearing fruit. What is the secret of it? I'm going to tell you tonight. First of all, you have to ask the question, what does God mean by fruit? What does he mean by that? Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everything that comes after that particular passage and that first word of love, everything else describes, or is love rather manifested, it's described. But the beginning of that, the origin of it, the root of it is love. You can't be meek if you don't have love. You can't be temperate if you don't have love. You'll not be kind if you don't have love. Amen. You, 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 you have to have love. It is what God is love and what comes from God are all of these things that follow that word love when he describes the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just share with you tonight concerning a fruit-bearing life. Fruit doesn't exist for itself. It exists for others. Fruit doesn't exist for itself. It exists for others. We want fruit to satisfy us and make us happy and fulfill us, but that's not the purpose of fruit. Genesis 49:22, Joseph prophetically, uh, he was prophesied over what his nature was, and his nature was to be fruitful. A fruitful bow is what was prophesied over him by his father. A fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well is what he said in, four, in Genesis 49:22. And he goes on further to say, whose branches run over the wall. Those branches run over the wall. And God was saying through him, those branches run over the wall because there's supposed to be fruit on those branches. And those branches with fruit on the other side of that wall are for a purpose to be picked and stripped. <coughs> Think about that for a minute. Picked and stripped. That is the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit. We don't like the sound of that, but the reality is we are not called to be beautiful floral ornaments to be looked at, but fruit-bearing blessings. That's kingdom right there. Amen. That's kingdom whenever you, God is using or flowing through you by His Spirit and other people outside of you are blessed by what you put off, what you produce, what you fruitfully produce. And so you got to think about that for a minute. Song of Solomon, uh, he began to speak in chapter 4, verse 16, and he speaks of a garden that flows with the smell of spices as the wind blows upon it. He said the north wind and the south wind blows, and those spices, the smell of it come as the wind blows through that garden. And he said the beloved is to come and eat of the garden and eat of the pleasant fruits. The fruit of our life is praise. Amen? That's the fruit fruit of our lives praise and worship and service unto our bridegroom Jesus and he receives the fruit of our lives amen he receives that as we worship him he was pleased tonight he was honored tonight he was blessed tonight as we worshiped him and the sweet smelling aroma came up unto him amen we weren't worshiping ourselves we weren't glorifying ourselves but we were dying to ourselves and saying God you 
deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. You deserve the worship. And it was a sweet smelling savor. And Solomon says that, he says that, you know, the bridegroom comes to that garden and the wind blows and he says, I come to pick of that fruit. But it goes on to say, amen, in the next verse, Song of Solomon 5.1, he comes to the garden with his friends and they partake of the fruit of that garden also. That's what it says. I know it's, it, it, it's, it's parabolic, if you will. It's parable type, poetic. But what he's saying is the bridegroom comes to the bride's garden and he says, I'm looking for fruit and he brings his friends with him. And he says, partake of this fruit, drink of it. It's all there. You can read it on your own time. I'm not preaching heresy to you. We protest. Who invited them into the garden? They have come, they've trampled in my garden, and they've picked the fruit. But the Lord says, I invited them. I introduced, I invited them rather. I produced this fruit in you not for you and not even primarily for me, but for my friends to pick from. That's what we are to be. Fruit-bearing believers that people can pick from our life and enjoy the blessedness of God. You know, I, I, I know we read about Jesus and we read about God and we read the nature and the character throughout this Bible and it blesses us. But it's such a blessing to see Christ living in people's lives. To see a change come. To see a woman that saw her husband change. The beauty of that is awesome to say, you're not the person you were a month ago or six months ago or two years ago. You're a different person. There's fruit coming from your life. The Lord says, I invited them. I produced this fruit in you, not for you, and not even primarily for me, but for my friends. The secret of life is fruit-bearing that others may be blessed. We often focus on ourselves, and if you do that, I'm going to tell you right now, you will be spiritually miserable. Hey, 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 yeah. There's a lot of people, they don't ever live fulfilled because they're only living for their own spiritual self. That's why they're always in a low. But when you begin to live for God and begin to be a blessing to other people simply by serving, we say we want to serve, we believe in our heart that we really feel that way, but you don't realize what service means or being a servant until you start serving and people start treating you like a servant. Amen. Come on now. If we focus on ourselves, we will live miserably. If we focus on our pain and our suffering, our fears and our tears, we will be unfulfilled spiritually. Amen. God doesn't want you focusing on, his, on your scars. He wants you focused on his scars. <laughs> Amen. 
He said, Thomas, put your finger in my side. Put your finger in my hand and my scars. <laughs> That's where your healing's going to come. It's not going to come by you focusing on your scars. Amen. Focus on his scars. Because the scars that he took, he took for redemption. He took for atonement. He took for healing. So focus on him. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> the purpose to be a fruitful, and, a fruitful believer and refresh someone, show someone the real Jesus. What is the secret to fruit bearing? John 15, 4, he said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. The secret is in abiding, which simply means this, hanging in there. I'm just going to simplify it for you. Hanging in there, amen. Hanging in in faith, remaining and staying and living in faith. What does it mean to abide? It means to hang in there. To be brief, no branch can be detached and produce fruit away from its source. doesn't happen. And to abide, to abide requires being intentional and purposeful. If you're going to abide in Christ and by, abide in the vine, you're going to have to be intentional and you're going to have to be purposeful. The Lord told me in prayer, just as I will not make man choose me, I will not make man abide in me. That is something you choose to do. And as you abide in him, oh my goodness, all heaven begins to open and unfold for you. The Spirit of God comes upon you as you abide in him in prayer and you abide in him in worship and you abide in him in the word. Amen. So you have to be intentional, you have to be purposeful, and you have to choose to abide in him. He may influence you to abide, but he will not force your choice. There are three things that take place when you abide in Christ. Because we're talking about being fruit-bearing Christians, and the first thing that has to happen is that you're going to have to abide in him. The very source, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the life of God has to flow through you or you will not produce his nature and his character and his fruit. You must abide. You must abide. The first thing that happens, we learn from John 15, verse 5, is that fruit is produced when we abide. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Without me, you cannot do anything, nothing. The second thing that happens is correction from the Father. Buckle up, sweetheart. Correction from the Father. You know, this isn't even in my notes, but... The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 12, if you can't be chastened by the Lord, you're not His child. Amen. I didn't go around when my kids were babies spanking other, pe other people's kids. I'd have liked to have. I remember being in the store and my kids would see some kid acting up and they'd look at me and I'm like... It, you're not in trouble because they acted up. You know, 
Some mamas will take their chonkle off and swat them upside the, the back. Just walk away like nothing happened. Amen. Aunt Maida used to go and she would, if she saw a kid, she'd say, you knock it off and just walk away. <laughs> Little kids stand there and quit screaming. But I never spanked anybody else's kids but my own. But my own I spanked. My own I chastened. My own, amen, my own children because I loved them. They were my children. And if we're God's children, if we're his sons and his daughters, he's going to chasten us. And if you're going to bring fruit, you're going to have to go through the correcting period and times in your life. And let me tell you, it's something that is in perpetuity. It continues on until you take your last breath. <laughs> Amen? So correction from the Father in John 15, 2 and 3, he said, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He prunes, but he also cleans or cleanses. The husbandman is God the Father, who tends to his garden that his branches that are in Christ uh, continue to produce. And you have no idea or real comprehension of how much and how deep the Father really loves you and I. We have a comprehension of it, but I don't know that we fully comprehend the love that God has for us. The Word will clean us and our trials and our difficulties and hard times will prune us. They're tough, but they prune us. If you're His child or you belong to him you're part of the great vine and you're a branch on there in order for you to grow and in order for you to be more fruit producing you're going to have to be pruned and he's going to clean you and I the pruning at times and most often than not is treacherous and it's painful but it's needful because it's a fact that unpruned trees will struggle in growth and, they, and if they ever encounter an unfortunate drought, they may not grow at all. That's why they have to be pruned. Also, over time, branches that are unpruned will stop producing altogether, period, and can also break and cause damage or spread disease if they're not pruned back. Even the Bible says that, that a root of bitterness will spring up if it's not dealt with. We have to deal with roots in our life. Amen. We have to deal with roots in our life. You know, it's not enough for you to say, well, I just bit my lip and I didn't say what I really thought. You need to ask God to change your thought. You need to ask God to change your attitude. You need to ask God to change your heart. Amen. When you go through something and jealousy creeps up, God's saying, it's time to prune. Come on. It's time to prune. When you begin to go through something and vengeance creeps up, God says, it's time to prune. Amen. It's time to deal with those things. Whenever you're going through something, God begins to deal with all kinds of things. Unforgiveness, it's time to prune. God wants to prune us so we produce fruit. 
And we're not just like the fig tree that didn't have any kind of fruit hanging off of it. But God wants us to, have, to be fruit bearing. The secret of that is God pruning, God cleaning. Amen? Number three, the mark of an abiding fruitful believer is fruit, fruition in prayer. In other words, fruitful prayer. So we will produce fruit. There will be correction, pruning, and cleansing so that we produce more. And then there will be an outflow of prayer, he says, that will be answered. It will be answered. Why are prayers answered whenever, you know, we are abiding in Him? Because when you're abiding in Him, you never pray for things that's not the will of God. So the mark of an abiding fruitful believer is fruition in prayer. John 15, 7, he said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You would never ask what you will if it wasn't what he wills. You will not pray contrary to the nature and character of Jesus. We should never begin by praying our will but God's will. But we start out a lot of times, God, I want that. And he says, but I don't really want you to have it. Not really, I don't, I don't, want, you to, I don't want you to have it because it's going to be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You know, there was something that I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed that I wanted and, and, and I, I did everything I could do and God slammed the door three or four times and I still pushed and I got it and I ended up losing it. It ended up being something, and I look back now and I say, God, he said, I tried to stop you. I tried to stop you. I tried to tell you, but you pushed your way through. You willed your way through, and you got what you wanted. And he said, and then it ended up being disastrous, and you lost it anyway. Don't get something that's not the will of God. Don't pray for something that's not the will of God. What is the secret to obey? Uh, to abiding, Pastor. Obedience. Whatever God says you must do, you must do it. If we're going to be fruit bearing Christians, we got to abide in Him. There's going to be work that God's going to do, and He's going to tell you in that abiding, I want you to be obedient unto me. Listen, in in, in second in first Samuel chapter 15, remember whenever. Samuel came to uh, King Saul and he said, did you do what God told you to do? He said, yes, I did. He said, then how come I hear the bleeding of the sheep? I always remember that movie, Beethoven. It was a Disney movie or something. It was an old movie from the 90s, I guess. The dad come in and he said, what do I hear? They said, nothing. All of a sudden you hear all those St. Bernard's barking. What is that? I hear something. He walks in and he sees all them big old puppies there. Well, they weren't big puppies, but St. Bernard's become big dogs. So there's four or five of them there plus the mama. And you see see all of this going on. That's how it was with Samuel when he came up. And, and Saul was acting like no big deal. And he said, well, if you did everything that God said you were supposed to do, then what's the bleeding of the sheep? Why do I hear the sheep bawling off in the, the distance? Listen. 
He refused to put the Amalekites and everything about them to death. When God told him, get rid of everything. Deal with everything. Amen. Deal with their sheep. Deal with the people. Deal with the king. Deal with everything. But he kept the king alive. Amalek. Agag, rather. And he kept the sheep for sacrifice. And Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he said, not only is the king The kingdom going to be taken from you. God's found him a man after his own heart. But an Amalek, Amalekite, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, is who put King Saul to death. So, why did I say that? Because if you do not deal with the root of things in obedience... They will be the death to you. The death of you. Remember when we all burned everything out there in that fire? You don't even have to say anything, but who knows if the devil's brought back things to some of your lives and tempted you with things that you supposedly, and I believe we all were sincere, got rid of out there. Come on now. There is a secret to obeying. What is the secret, Pastor? It's called love. In John 14, 23, I'm just preaching the Bible. Don't you love it? The Bible says in John 14, 23, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, He will keep my words and my Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If a man loves me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He didn't say if a man loves that he should or better keep my words, but he said he will. Obedience is no problem when you love God. King Saul had no love for God and obedience was difficult for him. But I can tell you, when you love God, obedience is no problem. Just obey Him. What's the secret to loving, Pastor? What is the secret of loving? I should say the blessing of loving. John 15, 5 tells us there's a blessing that comes when you love the Lord and you keep His commandments. We're talking about abiding. We're talking about the Spirit of God coming from your life. You have to abide in order for that to happen. It's all right there. The greatest words ever spoken about how it comes to pass was by Jesus in John 14 and John 15. But he says here in John 15, 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Jesus will share with you and I what the Father has spoken to him. Familiarity breeds contempt. What does that mean? When you're around somebody long enough, they start getting on your nerves. You know, statistically, even in relationships, they only last so long. It's, I heard someone actually say, 
that relationships have an expiration date on them. Well, there's been things that have been found true, especially in marriages and things like that. There comes a point in time except God is in the middle of that relationship, it will expire. But where Christ is central in that thing, two people love God and they don't allow familiarity to breed contempt, but long-suffering and patience and kindness and giving and investment. The Holy Ghost is the oil that makes everything run smoother. But he said familiarity may breed contempt, but that's only regarding contemptible things or contemptible objects. Not so with Christ. The longer that we know and serve him, the sweeter he grows. So you got problems in your relationship? Just bring Jesus into the middle. Amen. You say, well, I'm the only one that's serving God. Well, start praying for that lovely spouse of yours and pray that God will touch them and make sure that you show the nature, the character, the, 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 the very love of Christ unto them. Show them the fruit of the Spirit because God can change anybody's heart. <clears throat> and He will. And He does. Amen. Oh my. (laughs) How do I know him? By taking or heeding his word. You know, I was touched today and moved today simply as I began to read God's word. He touched me. Talked to me. I was reading and studying and then he said, go to prayer. I went into prayer and I said, Lord, what I've read... I'm applying now. I'm not just reading it going, I'm so glad I have all this knowledge. I'm a theologian now. No, you're not. You're a prideful, pompous thing. Amen. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. He said, go to your prayer closet and pray that you become what you read. And I said, Lord, forgive me for the areas where I knowingly know that I fall short. And help me to become who you've called me to become in this word. And you've called me to be a fruit-bearing Christian. You're coming back for a glorious church. Not a church that doesn't look like you. Not a church that doesn't love like you. Not a church that doesn't act like you. But a church like you. And where your church is like you, it will be a glorious atmosphere and a glorious place. Listen. We want to be fruit-bearing believers and that requires abiding and obeying and the growth of the Spirit will come naturally yet supernaturally. It will come automatic but supernaturally. You will do and say and act in ways that are outside of your fleshly character and they ought to be. That's the only way it works. But if there is a decline, Solomon tells us why. In Proverbs 24, Verse 30, Proverbs 24, verse 30. Turn there with me. Proverbs 24, verse 30. Why is there not being any fruit coming from this garden and this vineyard in my life, of my life? Solomon said, 
In verse 30 of Proverbs 24. He said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles that had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. This is what happens when we get neglectful and we don't abide in him. The walls broke down. There's thorns and thistles. There's very little fruit, if anything at all, in that vineyard. The devil has complete access to you. But when we abide in him, I can tell you, that husbandman will take care of his vineyard. God cares about his vineyard. Amen. He cares about his vineyard. We must remain abiding if we are to see the fruitfulness of the Spirit flow from us. Remember this. We feel what to do in, in, in this, by the Spirit of God. You feel what to do. And we know what to do by the Word. You can't just go by a feeling. You have to go by the Word. We have to go by the Word of God. And we feel something, and when the Word is, is connected with it and is in concert with it or in unity with it, then what we feel and what we read and know begins to be brought about in our life. God will cause you to be broken inside, but then He'll tell you, love your neighbor as yourself. You know? He'll tell you, husbands, love your wives as your wife as, as, as Christ loved the church. Remember this. We feel what to do. That's the Spirit. And we know what to do by the Word of God. The Lord and the lost souls are awaiting the church Jesus birthed when He left this earth. And it's a glorious church. It's a powerful church. But folks, I want to tell you something. It ain't going to happen if we are not full of the Holy Ghost and we are not exemplifying the very nature and character of Christ. I've heard too many people say, I love Jesus, but I don't love church people. That is the biggest detriment that could ever be said about his church. Now look, I know there are people at times that do not want to obey God and surrender and they blame and point the finger at the church. I understand that when it's not necessarily the church, it's them. But there are times whenever people won't have anything to do with the body of Christ because of the way that the body acts at times. We must be a Holy Ghost filled entity, a body, a Holy Ghost filled people that produce the... That, Christ in us produces the Spirit of God, the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, rather, and the only way it happens is by abiding in Him, residing in Him, hanging in there. Amen. Every day, going before Him. You may have got off for a second. He said, come on back. Amen. Get back in abiding in me. There have been times I've got mad. God said, go in your prayer closet. Pray it through. Amen. You know, when your hands are dirty, you go in there and you wash your hands, right? It ain't, it ain't over. 
If you don't, it ain't over in your life just because your hands are dirty. You can wash them. You can change that situation. God said, go, get before me in prayer. Open up my word. Let me talk to you. And every day I will do something powerful in you. I'll change who you are. And they'll see Jesus and not you. Because I can tell you they need to see him, not us. We're a broken down mess. Amen. You know, but thank God he takes that mess and makes a message out of it. Thank God he takes the test and makes a testimony out of it. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. I've got Jesus in my heart. I belong to Jesus Christ. This life must be a life that they look and say, my goodness, there's something about them. Amen. You know, it's, it's one of the most irritating things to me, but I see it more often than not, and especially in, in, in Christian singers a lot of times. But they, 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 they get up and they sing and all of that, but the moment they come down off that stage, they act like you don't even exist, won't talk to you, treat you like you're just, you know, you're just a commoner. You know, the only reason that you are up there singing is because somebody like me came to listen to you. But that's really a moot point. What I'm trying to say to you is that I love it when somebody is a Christian and they minister and when they come down, they love to be around the people. Shepherds smell like sheep. (laughs) They do. You know why? Because they want to be around them. Amen. I said, Lord, please, I beg you, don't let me ever. And, and I'm not going to say that I've ever, that I'm, you know, have arrived in this. There's been many times that I've had to say, God, forgive me. But, you know, I, I said, Lord, I want to always love the people. I always want to make sure I love the people and, and, and I do love them and I care about them and I want to make sure I have time for them and I want to make sure I pour into them. I don't want to be a disingenuous person. But I want to be genuine and have the love and life of Christ and the fruit flowing from my life. Amen. Because I can tell you, we are the Jesus that they see. What do they see? Do they see? What do they see in you and I? How do we act? Because everybody acts right in church, you know. You know, I had somebody one time, they told me something that happened with somebody. I said, what? I said, they, they acted like that? They said that? And the person said, come on, pastor. Everybody's on their best behavior in front of you. And I said, let me tell you something. They're not going to stand before me. They're going to stand before God one day. They better act and be on their best behavior in front of the one that's going to judge them. Who am I? I'm just an under-shepherd. But one day we're going to stand before the judge and I want to hear him say, not only enter in, thou good and faithful servant, but I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, amen. You lived your life producing fruit and people picked from your life and they were blessed and people saw me in you and through you because the Spirit of God and the fruit of God came from you. That's the church he left whenever he left this earth. And that's the one he's coming back for. Let us live such a life and not be 
you know, a, a, a hypocrite or hypo, let up hypocrisy or, or be something contrary to what we're supposed to be. And we all need to work on that. Amen. Amen. I have some really good days, and then every once in a while I have a bad one. Amen. And God has to say, be careful, Skiles, when you go into Stater Brothers. Act like Jesus. Amen. Be careful when you go into Walmart. You know, they fired every checker they've got. They don't have cashiers anymore. You have to check it yourself. And it's very frustrating. But I said, Lord, I'm just going to sit here, stand here, and wait in line. Maybe there's somebody I can talk to about you. Let them see. Because people in this world are impatient. Oh, my. They're impatient. Amen. If, even on the road, amen, if you're, it's, you know, if you're, you're too slow, they'll go up on the median and come over in front of you. They don't care. People have went crazy in this. There's lawlessness because it's an ungodly world we live in. The only light that they're ever going to see is in us, Christ in us. Let your light shine that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. They're going to see the good works in you, but they're going to glorify him. Because I can tell you right now, as I close and say my last statement, the only reason there's anything good in Jonathan Skiles is because of a good Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> the secret is all right there. You can read it on your own time, and you should. Let us abide in him that we may bring him the ultimate glory, which is to honor him and for people to say, you mean God can do something in a person like that so powerfully? Yes, he can. He can. He can. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. You used to be a creep, but now you're a new creature. Now you're a new creature. <laughs> Not a creeper no more. You're a creature. <laughs> a new creature in Christ. Jesus is in you. They see Jesus in you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? <clears throat> We're going to close with this song. I just want you to pray. Just ask God to help you. We all need God. We all need him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take me like you, Lord.